I'm Jordan Hagedorn. And I'm John Kim. And this is Sneaker Salaries, a deep dive look at sneaker news and sneaker culture with insights from those that live the passion and the lifestyle of sneakers. Hey, we're back with another episode of Sneaker Salaries. I'm John Kim. And I'm Jordan Hagedorn. And today we're joined by Cassie Athena. She's a LA-based photographer. Uh, she's known as the queen of NBA photography. You've probably seen her work on Sports Illustrated, Slam Magazine, Nike, Jordan, and of course on your favorite NBA superstars Instagram feed. She's also an artist and a brain tumor survivor. Cassie, welcome to Sneaker Salaries. Thank you for having me. So Cassie, we are honored to have you on the podcast. This is something we've been looking forward to. You are a photographer to NBA stars. You've done a lot of amazing work. We would love to hear more about your journey. So can you tell us a little bit about your origin story? Yeah. Um, you know, long story short, I'm born and raised in L.A. And, you know, growing up, my dad would love taking pictures of me and my brothers, kind of just capturing memories. So when I was growing up, I always associated taking pictures with capturing memories as opposed to maybe like doing photo shoots and stuff like that. Um, and then as I got older, I played basketball at a local college here, Glendale College. And um, I would just take pictures of the guys team or my girl teammates. And I just really loved the whole atmosphere and capturing like those lifestyle moments. And um, at the time, the only social media that was kind of around was MySpace. So it was still kind of like a new thing. As I graduated college um, in 2011, there was the NBA lockout. And somebody said, hey, you know, you should take your camera and go to this place called the Drew League down in L.A. And I live like 45 minutes from where that was. I had never been to that part of L.A., but I showed up. And I had like this little, you know, cheesy camera and I didn't really know what I was doing. I just like to capture moments, but I had never gone to school for photography. I went to school for animation, so I was not tech savvy, but I just showed up. And, you know, my first day was guys like, you know, Kevin Durant, James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, but they're all young guys. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. You know, I'm capturing something that nobody's covering because at the time, you know, media was only going to cover stuff if they're getting paid to cover it. Nobody's going to go to a small gym in L.A. to capture offseason, you know, of basketball players. So uh, that summer, the Drew League kind of let me just tag along and hang out. And then as I was there, I'd meet more players and then players would say, hey, you want to come to my block party? You want to come to my kid's birthday? You want to come to this flag football game? And I slowly started becoming like this lifestyle photographer that didn't exist at the time. And, you know, after the lockout ended, nobody wanted to hire me as far as like the league or newspapers because they said I wasn't a real photographer. I had just shot, you know, one cool summer. And so I would just wait till the summertime and I would just shoot, you know, anybody that I could. And then in the next summer, you know, stuff started getting bigger and somebody said, you should start shooting sneakers and start getting stuff like that. And um, and so I started shooting, you know, different players kicks and at the time, it's like people were kind of confused. And at the, there was a couple of sneaker blogs, but they were still kind of like not as big as everything is now. But I just kind of was drawn to what fashion people had, what shoes people had. And then now, you know, as years have gone on, I've become like this lifestyle photographer, NBA players. And, and now everybody wants to cover, you know, the kind of stuff I was covering in 2011 and 12. So that's kind of like a long story short. <laughs> I mean, that's quite a journey. And I think at this point, the Cassie Athena watermark, that brand logo. It's a brand at this point. I think everyone knows it. You know, LeBron reposts your photos and you see that name on his gram. So it's definitely going to spread that. So, you know, you've built this trust with uh, a lot of NBA players. You know, they liked your work. They trusted you. You're, you know, you seem like a nice and friendly person. Um, who is a one, or if you can name one player that's maybe a famous player right now, who is one player who always kind of looked out for you more than the average player? 
that's famous shoot let me think it doesn't have to be famous it could be like a well-known like a well-known nba player i mean i would say at the beginning when i first started wanting to shoot like lifestyle video and stuff uh nick young was the first person i had ever shot and like when we shot a day in his life that's where the nick young meme came from that i shot and you know so nick ended up becoming way bigger than when i first started shooting him but he was one of the guys that was like giving me a chance initially like brandon jennings was super big on letting me cover his stuff uh paul george was another you know guy and a lot of those guys were they had some buzz but they were just more local guys and now they're you know a lot bigger um you know as far as like a big superstar like steph curry over the years has done a lot of stuff to help me and and let me cover a lot of stuff with him and aisha and his family so you know he'd be like the biggest superstar i'd say that has really kind of helped me throughout the years Let's go back to that Nick Young meme for a second. I feel like that might be your greatest body of work, unfortunately, a, a meme <laughs> that got screenshotted. I mean, I'm sure if you spend any time with Nick Young, you're going to catch him like looking completely confused and bewildered. When you saw that <laughs> meme take off on social media, like what was your initial thought? Uh, it was, it was, I was really stuck, honestly. I was thinking like of all the things and all the cool photos I've taken up to that point, like this is the one that people were going crazy over, but you know, at the same time, when I was filming that video and editing it, um, I have a motion graphics background. So when I was doing it, you know, the moment happened so fast. It was just kind of like confused over with. And for me, I had this like urge to pause it and add question marks. And I don't know why it took me like three hours to make it just right. And so when I saw people had actually liked that one moment, I thought it was cool because I love that moment, but I never expected it. It took maybe like a few months after it got posted and then it just went. I mean, it's still viral to this day. And it's I filmed that in 2013. So it's kind of wild to see how it just keeps it keeps circulating. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, you are followed by some of the biggest athletes on the planet. You know, you have Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry. You mentioned that great relationship you have with Curry and a lot of these guys. You do great work, but there's also something else when it comes to building trust. Can you give us some insight into what some of those things are and how you've built those relationships? Yeah. I mean, the way that I look at at these athletes, especially now that I'm around them, um, you know, like you just want to give them the same respect that you would want in return. So I just feel like if I was letting somebody cover moments in my life, like what would I not want to get out or what would I want? You want to make people look in the best light possible. And so, you know, every time I'm around them, I try to really, no matter what content they let me capture, or if I get an unflattering picture or whatever the case, they know that I'm going to post the best of what they're going to look like or whatever from that moment. And I feel like at this point in my career, if I were to make somebody look bad publicly, my career is over as well. So it's over the years I've built this trust and it started with a few local guys. And then now I've gotten to shoot guys that are, you know, huge superstars. But the reason that these huge superstars trust me is because of the years and years of trust I've built with, you know, their friends and their colleagues and stuff. So it's really just a process and and just being honest and transparent um, which I've found that's kind of hard to find in this industry, especially with photographers, because it's so easy. You know, I, at the beginning of my career, TMZ constantly or whoever gossip blogs, you know, just give us this picture. We'll pay you. We won't even, you know, put your name on it. But at the same time, like I was the only person shooting pictures. Everybody's going to know I was the person there. So to me, it was just never worth doing that. I wanted them to experience the moments and, and build relationships versus trying to do anything to make them look bad. So where did that come from on your end? You know, a lot of photographers would have taken that paycheck and, and maybe just kind of, you know, your name's not on it. So you kind of pick up a check. Obviously, you're trying to make it. 
where did that come from? You know, did, was that instilled in you when you were younger or, or kind of how did those traits come about? Yeah, I feel I mean, I don't know. I guess I just got to give credit to my parents. Like they've always been, you know, they're just very like straightforward and upfront and honest people. And I feel like they kind of pass that on to me. And it's like you get further in life when you're just yourself and your authentic self. And and so I don't know. I just felt like my whole life. I also never wanted people to not like me. And so I felt like a lot of that came from. Like, you know, if I piss this person off, then all these people are not going to like me. So maybe it's a mixture of of trying to please people and also just be honest. But either way, it kind of turned into where I'm at now, where I'm very uh, sensitive to other people's feelings and emotions, make sure that they're good, and then also make sure that I'm putting out good content. I mean, I think it's important, especially in uh, in our world, I guess, media, it's important to treat everyone with respect because, you know, you want that same respect. You don't want to say anything to make anybody look bad or anything like that. Let's kind of backtrack just a little bit, though, before, I guess, you started your uh, your journey in photography. You know, you were a brain tumor survivor. You know, it's obviously an experience that most people, you know, will, won't ever have to go through. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and, you know, um, how it, how you found out and what the recovery process was like and um, you know, what you basically learned from that experience? Yeah, so I was a junior in college and uh, one day I went to school and I just had this horrible headache and I never got headaches. And my classmates are like, you should go down to the school doctor. Um, you know, I felt like when I would turn my head, I would start blacking out. It was like a really weird feeling. So I went to the school doctor. The nurse came in. And at this time, it was also midterms. And I hadn't been sleeping. And the nurse said, you know, you're probably just tired because you haven't been sleeping and midterms and all that. But we'll have the doctor come in. And then the doctor came in. And he was like, yeah, you're probably tired or it could be a brain tumor. So you might want to go check it out. And I was just like, what? You know, I'm 21 years old. A doctor telling me like it could be a brain tumor. So, um, you know, I told my parents we went to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, everybody it was kind of weird. Like the people working there were kind of making fun of me like, oh, a college student with a headache. And I'm like, I I'm like, I don't know. Like the school doctor said it could be a tumor. So they ran all these tests and then come to find out I did have a tumor. And um, it had nothing to do with the headache. So it was totally like coincidence, God, like it just wasn't anything to do with my headache. Um, but they were like, it's also in the balance part of your brain. And we don't know how you can walk or move or anything. And we don't know how long it's been there. So you got to get it removed right away. And all I was thinking was, I don't want to spend another year in college. I want to, you know, because I felt fine. I felt physically, other than my headache, which was, I guess, from not sleeping, you know, I didn't feel like I had a massive brain tumor in my balance part of my brain. Um, so I got diagnosed in February of 2009, and they let me wait till the summertime to get my surgery. So in July, uh, I went in, they had to like shave my head and, you know, I had, they went through, I have like a metal plate on the back of my head, 25 staples, um, but they said, because I had no symptoms when I went in uh, of balance issues, when they take it out, I'm going to have issues because they're poking around that part of my brain. So they took the tumor out. And for the next maybe three, four months, it just felt like if you spin in a circle 10 times and try to walk straight, that's how I felt every day, all day long. You know, so I was like dizzy, sick. Um, and then I ended up trying to catch up on a lot of work and I finished my senior year on time and everything. And so the best part was it wasn't cancerous, um, you know, because that would have been a whole nother set of issues. So um, but yeah, I got it removed. And then, you know, now I have to just get checkups every now and then and make sure it hasn't grown back because there's still little pieces that I guess could grow back. 
But overall, like that whole experience, especially I was, you know, 21, 22 years old, it just made me realize like I am here for a bigger purpose. Like I could have died during this whole operation. It was like major. I think I was in the operating room for like four or five hours. Like it was a major like surgery and recovering with your brain. So after that, it kind of shifted like, okay, what's my real purpose? Like, what am I going to do? And after that is when I started taking up photography and started, you know, kind of following my passion. I didn't know it was going to ever lead me to where I'm at now. I just kind of figured at that point, like, stop trying to plan your life out because sometimes you just can't plan it. Like stuff is going to come up and you just got to keep going. So after that is when I started pursuing taking pictures more passionately. So It's such an unpredictable chain of events. I mean, you're going for a headache. They, they run some tests. They find a tumor that really had nothing to do with the headaches. Two years after your uh, the surgery is the uh, the fateful summer at the Drew League, which you know I think everyone enjoyed that time off from that. I mean, we wanted to see NBA games, but mm-hmm. the NBA stars they were definitely putting on a show with a lot of the charity games, a lot of them being at the Drew. And then from that point on, you start building this trust with uh, a lot of the athletes. You know, at what point did you think, okay, this is just not a hobby anymore? Like I can actually make a living out of this. At what point did you realize that you know what this is? where I'm going to go all in. Yeah, well, I will say the first time I thought that that was true was during the lockout. Sports Illustrated had paid me like a nice little check for one of my photos and from the Drew League. And I was like, I've made it. Like, this is it. I'm a photographer. And I didn't get paid for another like two, three years after that. So it was kind of like a reality check of how freelancing can work. Um, so I would say first I thought it was good. And then I had to like really start grinding. And so... I would say it probably took another couple years, you know, I, to actually get paid. But I was really focused on just this. I was working from 2011 to almost 2013. I was working as a visual effects producer and a coordinator on TV shows and movies. And that was kind of like my day job. And then at night, I would go shoot whatever local basketball game or runs. And I did that for like two years. And the company I was working for, they actually got sick of me talking about basketball so much. So they were like, look, like, you got to go. Like, I remember one of the owners sat me down and he was like, he's like, I'm going to let you go, but like, you need to follow your passion. And he's like, I know basketball is your passion and photography. Like, you don't, you shouldn't be here. So I was kind of weird. Like, I was getting fired, but he's encouraging me. And then he told me, he said, look, I have a brother that works for Fox Sports and I'm going to hook you up with him and we'll get you to shoot your first NBA game courtside. And I was like, what? Like, I went from just like never, so you know, shooting any NBA games to now I'll be courtside, like on the floor. And to his credit, he followed through. And I'd say the next like couple months, they got it set up and I got to go down and it was Clippers versus Timberwolves. And, you know, it, I had maybe met like one player at the time. I kind of knew DeAndre Jordan and he knew it was my first game. So him, Blake Griffin... And when some of the other guys, they were like posing for me the whole game. I got really cool pictures, you know, I was sitting on the floor. And that whole experience I felt was like, I, even though I wasn't making money quite yet, I was like, this is what I could do for a living. Like, I see the way these players react to me being here. You know, the Fox Sports people were like, how did you get these players to pose for you? And I was like, oh, okay, I have something extra that the other photographers aren't really tuned into. Um and that, and then it took a few years after that when I actually started making money to like live just off of photography. But I say it was like 2013, and that's the summer where I just started going gun ho. Like, started shooting like the Nick Young stuff. Started shooting, you know, a lot of different players. Uh, I also got to shoot my first high school um, game. Somebody from Under Armour had reached out and said, "We have this Elite 24." And uh, we're not going to pay you, but we'll fly you out to come shoot these high school kids. And I was like, cool. So I went out there and it was, 
you know, Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, Kelly Oubre, Miles Turner, like that whole class. And that was the first time I got to work with high school players. And I realized like, okay, like these guys, like I could follow them, make relationships with them and their families now and kind of follow them as they get to the league. And now that they're in the league and they're superstars, those are some of my closest friends throughout this whole journey. So it's it kind of worked out that year when I got let go. That was like the first year where I was like, okay, let's let's really try this. That's amazing. I, I feel like, first of all, Devin Booker is one of my favorite players. So it, it's cool <laughs> to hear that. Uh, that dude's nasty, man. He's He's about to be an MVP in the next few years. So I want to unpack a few things. So you talked about when you went through the the brain tumor, you got that removed, that it kind of unlocked a, a, a bigger purpose, right? And I think right. the universe kind of pushes you where you need to go, right? And then you got fired and you were in a career that could have been pretty lucrative, you know, graphics and, and animation. So the universe kind of opened a door for you. So then you, you jump through it, right? And you're shooting stuff and you kind of get a, a nice check. You start doing some things. As you're pursuing that, it's not just about being a great photographer. It's actually about being able to secure jobs and get paid and understand that entire professional process. So can you talk about kind of that learning curve and, and how, you know, you got that nice check from sports illustrated and then you kind of floundered, not floundered, but you kind of bounced around a little bit trying to figure it out. Uh, and I think that adversity oftentimes leads to a lot of discovery and, and leads to a lot of, you know, finding a way to get paid for what you love to do. So can you talk about a little more of that, that bigger purpose and then kind of the actual process of getting jobs, securing money and not just doing things for free or just for a flight out? Yeah. You know, a lot of it, a lot of it, especially in my, my experience was kind of like trial and error and learning by myself. You know, I've seen, I would come across a lot of photographers that I was fans of and kind of asked them for advice. And I realized really quickly that they looked at me more like competition than they did somebody that they could mentor and help the next generation. So um, unfortunately, like for me, a lot of it was kind of like, I just always felt like I was fighting against something to try to like establish my place in this industry. And um, even to this day, people say, oh, you don't really hang around in a lot of other photographers. And I was like, yeah, but the photographers that I was trying to network with were they didn't want to be around me. So I kind of I kind of ended up leaning more on building relationships with the players. And, and that was something I learned when I worked in visual effects is um, a lot of the artists that we had, they were freelance artists. And once they were done working on a TV show here, they had to find another studio and find another studio. And I realized like a huge part of this whole job is relationships and that's any industry. But, you know, these guys, no matter like their, their level of talent, you still have to be talented. But if you have those relationships and your personality, you can really go a lot further in life than if you're just super talented and can't have a conversation. So I learned a lot from just being around these different industries. You know, I was an intern in Hollywood, which means like I'm doing coffee runs and doing all kinds of crazy stuff and having to deal with different egos and personalities. So all of the stuff that I learned from doing that, I took it to where I'm at in the basketball world. And, you know, I just learned how to deal with different personalities, how to build relationships. And so I think a lot of it just goes with like life experience and, and people that want to get into different industries. I feel like one of the biggest things is just how you treat people. And, you know, even going back to how, you know, I've worked with these huge NBA superstars, the way that I see like Steph Curry treat just a random person on the street with respect. I'm like, wow, this is like the biggest superstar on the planet. And he's like, hey, you know, how's it going? And the way that like these people carry themselves, I'm like, okay, so if you're at the top of the world and you could treat people with respect, it's like nobody has an excuse to not be respectful to other people. So, you know, it's kind of like a grind and, and 
trial and error, honestly. There's really no recipe because I could even sit here and say, this is how my life worked and how I got here. But your journey might be different. Your circumstances might be different. You know, it just kind of depends on the, the situation. I would say something that just observing you, I've, I've, John and I have both watched you kind of rise and do your thing. It's been super impressive and super interesting. I think it's important to touch on your consistency, you know, the ability to persevere and just push through, but also that consistency. You just never gave up. You kept pushing. You kept doing jobs for free. A lot of people said, man, now you got to pay me. You know, I'm talented. Well, it's like you knew you were talented, but you also knew you had to grind. So that consistency has really been something that's paid off for John and I in our careers. I think that's a key with a lot of people, people we've had on the show. And, and it sounds like yourself as well. And, and I just want to touch on that. You know, I think that that consistency and that ability to keep pushing, I think is very important. So real quick follow up there. So you said, Oh, I thought I made it. Sports Illustrated cut me this check and I went a couple of years. At what point did that consistency kick in where you had a consistent paycheck and you, and you really kind of finally actually did make it? Um, I would say, you know, that happened in 2011. And I would say um, it might have not been till like 2016, 17 that I started making enough money to just like, sustain on my own um you know i my parents helped me a lot with with trying to you know at first they were kind of like you need to get a real job like we can't keep helping you with your passion and stuff but i think once they started seeing the fruits of the labor of what i was doing and i think same with me that's what kind of kept me going so you know there was a lot of photographers that kind of started out during the lockout era um, in la that were taking pictures of the same stuff i was taking pictures of and a lot of them have either transitioned into being wedding photographers doing other stuff or they've totally given up because they couldn't deal with not getting paid and for me I was it's probably a mixture of being stubborn and passionate I was just like I don't want to shoot headshots I don't want to shoot weddings I only want to shoot you know athletes and entertainers and I think a big part of that um is what kind of what got me here and also uh I met the game the rapper through the Drew League and he actually taught me a lot of being about about being an entrepreneur and um because I told him I'm like nobody wants to hire me I can't get jobs anywhere and he's like cool like he took me under his wing like I'll take you to music video sets I'll take you to clubs like I'll kind of show you the entertainment side of the industry and through him I met a lot of publicists I met a lot of other music artists you know and he would always just tell me like don't let people say you're the game's photographer because at the time every music artist had like a camera person that would follow them not in the basketball world but in the entertainment world it was super common and so everybody was trying to say, you're the game's photographer. You're the game's photographer. And the game was like, you don't have to say you're my photographer. You're Cassie Athena and I'm your client. That way you could go work with other people. Don't let people try to like put you in a box and restrict you. Um, you know, because what happens when the game retires? Then now I don't have somebody to work for. So I really appreciated him kind of giving me that other push to keep going. So even when I was like not really getting paid, I was still getting so much life experience. And I think when we say not getting paid, you know, there's a difference between like getting paid with money and getting paid with not even exposure, but just opportunities and learning experiences. I've had the most amazing conversations with like the most successful, talented people that, you know, you couldn't even pay for to get that kind of lesson or or learn that kind of stuff or build those connections. So I would say even the times I was technically working for free, I, it wasn't really for free. It was still benefiting me in some way down the line. You know, so I definitely it's like a mixture of everything. You you kind of never know when it'll pay off. But if you're there, I mean, there's times I've gotten paid now from a relationship I met through somebody years ago. So you just never really know. I think especially with like public figures and superstars and celebrities and whatever, 
Like, you know that they have the means to pay you, but how they're really going to pay you is with trust, you know? Really, it's who can they trust, whether it's a photographer or an assistant, whatever it may be. They're they're going to surround themselves with people that they actually trust. And now, you know, you've worked with the likes of Steph Curry, uh, LeBron James, and, you know, just to kind of transition into, like, the the sneaker conversation, because, you know, we are sneaker salaries, um, and you do have a wall of shoes behind you. Um, has there ever been a time where, and I know that because you've captured some photos of maybe early prototypes that LeBron was wearing just to test out in an open run that, you know, the public wasn't supposed to see yet. And I'm sure, you know, sneaker blogs, including Sneaker News, may have covered it and some of the brands may not be like happy about it. Has there ever been an instance in which like a Nike Under Armour, whoever will reach out to you and say, Hey, I know you're here. Can you only shoot, you know, ankles up or can you not post anything with, you know, sneakers because we're not ready to unveil that yet? Has there ever been an instance like that? Oh, yeah, a lot. I've gotten in a lot of trouble, too. Um, I would say one of the first ones that I could really remember is I was shooting Team USA and Steph Curry had on some new, I don't remember what number it was, but it was one of the earlier numbers. It might have been like his twos or threes. It was super early. And he was wearing them. And at that point, I was starting to get more into sneakers. When I first started off, I was not into, I had like three pairs of sneakers and they were like some random shoes, you know. But at this point, I started really diving in. So I saw Steph wearing these shoes. And mind you, we're at Team USA practice. So there's all kinds of media. It's not just me. And I kind of had met Steph a couple times. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, can I just take a picture of your shoes? And he was like, sure. And he took them off. And he was like, actually, these are like a sample shoe that I'm not really supposed to have all the details, but whatever, just take it. And he gave it to me and I took pictures inside the shoe with the bottom of the shoe. It said like sample, it said not for resale, all this stuff. And I posted them immediately and they went super viral. You know, it's one thing to see a sneaker on foot. It's another when you have all the details inside the shoe and it's not out. And uh, I remember some people at Under Armour were not happy and they were like, can you remove them? I'm like, it's already on the internet. Like I can't, you know, I can't do anything. And they're not going to get mad at Steph. So um, like I've done stuff like that before. Uh, Another time, Under Armour, a lot of times, like I've shot a lot of times where like Steph would wear some new shoe and they say you can't shoot his feet or whatever. And if it's like an Under Armour event. Sorry to interrupt, but they should be asking you to shoot it. I feel like I feel like you're the one that makes it famous. Yeah, like it, it makes more sense, but you know, I was like, whatever. So, but there's been, if it's an Under Armour event, fine, but this was like a total separate event. And I wasn't the only person that shot his shoes. I just got the best pictures. Um, there was another time, you know, there's runs over here that Rico Hines kind of hosts at UCLA over the summer. And I remember, I think two years ago, maybe three, uh, Carmelo Anthony was wearing some new shoes. And mind you, like, these are private runs. I'm taking pictures. There's another girl in there who takes pictures. But for the most part, it's pretty closed off. But it's still a public place. And so I had taken pictures, I guess, of him wearing these new shoes. And some one of the sneaker blogs got a hold of it. I didn't know they were a new shoe. I just was taking pictures. And then it went viral. And people from, you know, these brands were threatening me to take it down. And I was like, I, you know, like, once the internet gets a hold of stuff, you can't. And so uh, another time was LeBron had come up there. I actually revealed LeBron shoes, I think, two years in a row because he would come to those UCLA runs and he would just be sitting in the corner and I'd take a picture and it ends up I just revealed his new sneaker. And sometimes it's on accident. I don't mean to because I don't follow sometimes like what's the next shoe coming out. I might know it's a shoe I haven't seen before, but... Yeah, so I've definitely got this reputation now, especially with Nike, Jordan, and Under Armour. It's like, Cassie is going to... If she gets a picture, it's going viral, especially of sneakers. But at the same time, I feel like it only helps them. You're just getting yeah, all they the should, coverage. They should just hire you. 
Yeah, right exactly. Out. Yeah, on the low, and we'll still make it look organic. <laughs> there you go. So let me ask you this. You know, you touched on Steph Curry gave you a, a pair that hadn't been released. I see the sneaker wall behind you. It's insane. Can you talk about <laughs> your connection to sneakers and maybe some of the coolest ones you've gotten from some of these players? Yeah, I mean, I would say the way my sneaker stuff started off was like Under Armour was the first major company I started working with. And they would just send me all kinds of shoes, uh, like random trainers and all that. And then when Steph's shoe came out, they would send me his. And I got a lot of really cool, like, curries. Um, and then I started working with Jordan Brand. And then they started, like, sending me shoes. And then Adidas. And I realized they would kind of compete with, like, oh, I want Cassie to wear my shoe to this event. And so it kind of turned into, like, now I have, I probably have, like, 400 pairs of sneakers. It's pretty bad. And so, um but I love, like, every brand has, like, that one shoe I love. But, you know, Jordan 1s are, like, my favorite. But as far as, like, shoes that I got from, like, players that are really cool, um, I feel like I just got a pair of, like, really cool. These ones that I just got, and I had posted them. They're probably dirty. I'm pretty bad. Like, LeBron, like, they just sent me these shoes that just came out, you know, and I posted them. And then, like, he reposted me wearing them. Um, you know, I've gotten some cool curries. Like, I don't know what's like my coolest, like Steph Curry shoe, but you know, I, I'd get like these MVP packs and they would have just like cool designs as far as just like another player. You know, I, I just got some new Kobe's and Kyrie's. I'm like constantly, you know, I'm constantly getting shoes. They're not even like in my, they're not even like in my shoe boxes yet. <laughs> I have so many shoes, but I would say like, I, I get a lot of really cool shoes cactus jack you know and then i have some like other shoes i love ones i have a lot of ones too but i definitely say like it's just random it's not like one particular brand or shoe or or player i just get a lot of i even got some old school shoes like this one like brandon jennings signature shoe with under armor like the spawn I have... and atomics it's a great shoe <laughs> yeah so uh, james harden like have any of the guys signed shoes and gave them to you i don't know if they've i don't think i've had anyone sign a shoe i just I think I always get weird about asking for autographs. And then I also love to wear my shoes, which sometimes makes people mad because they're like, no, you got to keep it on ice. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'll get these super expensive shoes. Like, I just got these fives and I already like wore them and like beat them up and everything. Like, I just let I just love wearing shoes. So if I got autographs. So you have all this access with these guys and it's never just crossed your mind to be like, look, I'm, I'm a huge fan of LeBron or Steph, you know, just scribbled your name on this shoe for me real quick. You've never done that before? Never. I, yeah. I don't even ask for autographs. I The one time I asked for an autograph was uh, Dwayne Wade was, you know, doing his last dance tour and retiring and I wanted to do a jersey exchange with him. So we ended up doing a jersey exchange and he signed my jersey as like he would a player. So he did it all. We took a picture together. And that's about like the extent. I might have a couple guys I'm friends with. Like, hey, sign this jersey. But I probably have like three signed jerseys. It's no signed shoes. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> well, when we post this, we're going to have to shout you out. And when we talk about this episode, say, yo, come on, Curry. Come on, LeBron. Come on, KD. <laughs> sign some shoes for your girl here. I know I'm 100% sure they would do it. I just never asked them to. So <laughs> There's something to that, like just kind of respecting the boundary. You know what I mean? And I've been around a lot of athletes, not nearly as much as you, but, you know, I've been uh, privileged with having access uh, with like Kobe, KD, LeBron for the last 10 years. And I've always been afraid to ask for an autograph. I've always been afraid to even ask for a photo. And uh, 
sometimes looking back, I wish I had because I wish I just had some more you know, documentation of the last 10, 11 years of my career because, you know, I may not be doing this forever. But but I kind of right. like your style. I like being very, you know, behind the scenes, you know, like, hey, like we're friends and that's 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 enough for me. Like, I don't need a photo to prove it or whatever. I did ask a photo of uh, Dwayne Wade once. We we're in Houston at All Star and it was his birthday and as well as the launch of um, his leaning shoes. And then, you know, he was just kind of going around, say hello to everyone. And he's like, we're both a little tipsy. He was like, hey, you want a photo? I was like, sure. So we <laughs> took the photo and I realized we we're both looking at the camera doing this. You know? And that's what I realized when guys just don't know what to do with their hands when they take photos. They just look at the camera and do this. The peace sign. And I just have it that's somewhere. The yeah, I just ha- it's the one photo that I just won't delete from my phone. I've like carried it over <laughs> from like the last three iPhones just to have it. But uh but yeah. Cassie, obviously this is sneaker salaries. We have people on talking about sneakers and how they've made money in their career, kind of around the culture of sneakers and basketball. You know, what I've learned from you is that you don't always get paid, but you get paid in knowledge, right? You get paid in experience, and that's something that's amazing. And and we appreciate hearing that. Uh, we can all attest to that. You know, anybody who's kind of made something happen, had to go through that and, and kind of uh, maybe an unofficial internship, you could call it, right? Uh, and then also your consistency and then also your relationships, but also it just seems like, you know, you got a great vibe, right? And we appreciate what you've brought to the sneaker world and the basketball world. And uh, it's super impressive, you know? So I, I just want to thank you for that. And and also just if you have any kind of final thoughts or any advice or anything uh, for anybody listening to this kind of advice to the 10 and 12 year old you, I guess you could say, or some people trying to make it in sneakers or, or kind of with their passion. Yeah. I mean, I feel like whatever you're passionate about, I would say like learn as much as you can about that craft. Like don't think you're going to get into an industry just to meet this celebrity or be this famous person. Like you have to really fall in love with the grind of whatever you're doing, because, you know, same with me with photography, I get to take pictures of some cool moments and then I'm at home editing for hours and hours. So I feel like if you find something you're passionate about, just learn as much as you can about it. You know, be very you know good at what you do, but also build the relationships. Be nice to everybody. Treat people with respect, and you could really go far. Yeah, that, that's that's some very sage advice, especially from someone who, I guess, technically didn't go to school for what you're doing right now. And I think that's a lot of uh, <laughs> that's me and Jordan. That's a lot of the guests that we've had before. And I again, I just like to point out that you know a lot of the the guests that we've had have kind of hammered in on that same thing. It's, you know, you have to be passionate about it. You just can't pick it up because you want to be famous or because you want Instagram followers. Like like you did it for yeah. free because you loved it. That It's that simple. And if someone was going to cut you a check, then they're going to cut you a check. And now you've built a brand. You have your own, you know, clothing line where pe- people are wearing your merch. I mean, that's, you know, there's some NBA yeah. players who can't pull that off. Let's be real. You know, they, no one's going to wear like, you know, uh, a logo on a shirt unless they're really like messing with that brand you know what i mean so for sure uh, again you know it's it's just been really uh, great to watch you from the beginning i do remember all your photos from the the, the infamous 2011 lockout and you know <laughs> we've we've had uh, had communication before when you had photos and stuff like that so you know i look forward to you know keeping this relationship going you know really we're really proud of what you've accomplished and uh you know just thank you for being on here yeah no i over the years you guys have been one of the main people that have you know, main accounts that have posted my photos and, and kind of helped me share my experiences with the world. So I always, always appreciate that as well. And I'm glad to see how big you guys have gotten and that you're, you know, expanding even more. And I just love to see it. And thank you guys for having me on here. For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Thank you. Yeah. You too. <laughs> Thanks. 
So that's it for this week's episode of Sneaker Salaries. But let's keep the conversation going online on our social media channels. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sneaker Salaries and hit us with a DM or a tweet. You can follow me personally on Instagram at John B-E-E-J Kim. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jordan Hagedorn. We'd love to hear your feedback. And if there's a topic you want us to tackle or a guest you want us to have on, you can reach out to us at sneakersalariespod at gmail.com. If you like the episode, feel free to share it with your friends and help spread the word. And please show us some love by leaving a five-star rating and positive review so we can grow this podcast. Sneaker Salaries is a sneakernews.com and 137 p.m. partnership and a Gallery Media Group original production.